grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a young woman who did not know a man, and she miraculously became pregnant. This sounds like the beginning of a fairy tale. Fairy tales usually involve someone who is young, even childless, living in some sort of mythical land. In the end, everything usually turns out to be good and fine. But our gospel lesson for this morning is no fairy tale, and Bethlehem is no myth mythical place. It isn't once upon a time, but as we hear in the book of Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent his only begotten son. Our gospel begins, and it came to pass. Not once upon a time, but it came to pass. These are events that truly happened. Caesar Augustus was ruling the Roman Empire and Cornelius was governing Syria. The importance of these facts cannot be overstated. At this time of the year, our culture is focused on many mythical things, such as angels getting their wings, abominable snowmen, omniscient Santa delivering Christmas gifts across the globe and knowing who is naughty and nice. And the stuff of Christmas often serves as a flight from the real world and real life into an imaginary world of bliss and lights and self-indulgence. Unlike our incessant attempts to retreat from real life, Christmas is not an escape from some sort of fantasy world. But Christmas is truly real life. For the real Christmas involves a real place and real people doing real things. For the real Lord sent his real only begotten son into this world born of the real Virgin Mary in the real town of Bethlehem, the house, the city of David. Jesus was not born as some sort of spirit. He was not just some sort of spiritual being, but he was born as a real human being with real human flesh and blood. He came to really rescue us from our many damning sins, and he really reconciled us to our real Father in heaven, so that we may truly obtain the gift of eternal life. Jesus was born. When Jesus was born, there was no room for Joseph or Mary to stay in an inn. So Jesus was born in a place where the animals stayed. In a sense, because of our sin, we are like those animals. For our sin causes us to engage in self-preservation at all costs, and follow our basest instincts and desires. And as we depart from God's will and ways, we become even more inhuman. So what did Jesus do? He became a human to take away our sin. He became one of us, a human, so that we can be like him, and that is righteous in Christ. He came to restore us to himself so that God and sinners are truly reconciled. By our Lord's real conception and his true birth, Jesus has sanctified and purified our human nature. We like to think that to sin is simply human, but God originally created humanity to be without sin. The sin of Adam infected us all so that we are now sinners deserving of death. But Jesus was born so that we can have not the death we deserve, but the life that he grants. He died on the cross to defeat death, and he rose to secure our salvation. 
And in all of this, Jesus is restoring fallen mankind. For the Son of God, by becoming man, took our humanity into himself so that we might be made new in him. He makes us holy. He did not become an angel, nor will we become angels. Instead, Jesus became man so that one day we can be restored to humanity without any sin. Jesus became one of us to take our place under the law and to set us free from its condemnation. Jesus fulfilled the law in our place. He did everything it demands so that he can credit us with keeping the law of God. By fulfilling the Father's will, he could remain the sinless Son of God who could shed his innocent blood on our behalf. In fact, the first drops of his innocent blood was shed as he fulfilled the Old, Testament, Old Testament's law on being circumcised when he was just eight days old. When Jesus was born, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Before mankind sinned, clothing was unnecessary for no one had anything to hide. Without sin, there is no shame. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they discovered their nakedness and they tried to cover their nakedness and their shame by sewing fig leaves together. Those, those were their attempts to be their coverings. But then when God found them and told them that they had sinned and gave them not only curses, but the promise of the coming Messiah who would come from the virgin, he then covered them. He, what he did is he took the skins of animals to serve as their first clothing. In this, the first animals died for mankind, prefiguring the sacrifice that Jesus would make for the sins of the entire world. His sacrifice would cover mankind's sin. In fact, we are now covered in the very righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ through our baptism. When Jesus went to the cross, he was stripped and he was beaten. Upon his death, he was wrapped in a clean linen shroud and laid in a tomb for his grave. And when Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, he left behind those grave clothes. When we are baptized into Christ, we are stripped of our sin, leaving it behind. We then walk in newness of life, covered in Christ's very righteousness. We then die to sin and rise to life. This reality is good news for us. What Jesus did is no invention of man, and it is no fairy tale. All other religions out there are but imaginations of sinful men. They are, in a sense, fairy tales. They may teach something interesting or provide some sort of moral grounding, but they provide no eternal value or hope. All the world's religions, except Christianity, direct people to gods which do not hear, care, or act. They are false hopes. But the angel tells us of our only real hope, as the angels spoke to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Fear not. The angels obviously were filled with fear as 
I mean, the shepherds were obviously fear, filled with fear as they were met by the angels. But you have no reason to be afraid of the angels' presence, nor did they, and that's why they were told, fear not. For you no longer have any reason to be in terror of God's judgment, because your sins, by virtue of your baptism, and the faith sustained in you by the Holy Spirit, have been taken away. You no longer even need to be afraid of death, for Jesus has swallowed up death and victory. In fact, St. Paul writes to the Philippians, guided by the Spirit, saying, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what it means to have a Savior. And our Savior lives and reigns to all eternity. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior, Christ the Lord. And the shepherds were given a sign. They will find that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And so in faith, the shepherds, having heard this word, divine word from God through the angels, they then go and see Jesus. They don't attempt to worship Jesus under the dark skies and the serene countryside in which they were dwelling. They don't figure that they could worship Jesus just as well by being out there in nature. But they go to where Jesus can be found. In the same way God has called us by the gospel, he has, we have heard the wondrous deeds of our Savior. For most of us, our parents have raised us in the Christian faith. They brought us to Jesus through the waters of holy baptism when we were infants. And our faith continues to be nourished as we go to where Jesus can be found. Because we in faith know where he is found. As we search the scriptures, doing so in our homes. And as we go to the Lord's house to hear the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh. The Bible reveals Jesus from cover to cover. The Bible speaks of our Lord's mysteries and his testimonies. So we as Christians love to read the sacred scriptures. The word of God, as it is written, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Given that this word is living, we have in it a type of living nativity. It's where all true doctrine comes from. It is a source of any legitimate Christian teaching. It is a source from, which, from where our faith flows. Another living nativity is found right here in God's house. For Jesus himself is here. When his word is proclaimed, Jesus is here. When the Lord's Supper is celebrated, Jesus is here. He truly makes himself present in the sacrament. We eat his true body and drink his true blood as we commune at the altar. We are like the shepherds who went to Bethlehem to worship Jesus. Bethlehem means house of bread. That's the literal meaning of the word. On the altar sits the bread and wine. And when the words of institution are spoken, that bread, according to our Lord Jesus Christ, is his body, and that wine is his blood. We feast on it as a meal of forgiveness. Jesus Christ came in the flesh, and he comes to us today in the sacrament. What a joy it is that the Lord is come. What joy we have, for Jesus is here. What joy we have, because all of this is true. Peter, 
also inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote, we do not follow cunningly divine fables. Instead, as he writes, he was an eyewitness of our Lord's majesty and that the scriptures are recorded not according to man's private interpretation, but as they are moved by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is true God who has become true man. Jesus died on the cross to save us, and he rose from the dead the third day. Jesus, he lives and he reigns, and he will come back at a time known only by God the Father. And when he does, he will make all things new. That means all sin will be gone. We will be perfect. We will live without any spot or blemish. Christ will take away all tears. He will take away all hardship and he will take away all sorrow, and we will always be with the Lord. And since when Jesus returns, as we look forward to the resurrection of the body, we know that we will be raised in perfection, and we will be fully human without the effects of Adam's sin, fully human as Adam and Eve knew what it was to be fully human without sin, prior to their own sin. It should be no wonder then that we gather at, the, at our Lord's birth year after year to hear the saving message and receive the sacrament of the altar. These mercies of God are profound. We are reconciled, we are reconciled to our real God, our Father, through our real Lord Jesus Christ. So we, like the shepherds, Glorify God and praise him for all the things that we have seen and heard. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.